open your Bibles to Mark, Mark chapter 10, and uh, again, I want to welcome you if you're joining us for the first time uh, this Sunday. It's amazing, and we do genuinely celebrate June, and uh, a lot of the times on our Sundays together since our uh, move-in, we have been looking at what teach about the church, right, about the church. And, and we've learned several just foundational truths many of us uh, have known, many of us uh, really already live by and, and appropriate into our lives, but as a leadership team that, you know what, in this second half of 2017, let's, let's just look at what the scripture says about the church, because that's the church. And if, if we simply focus on being the church as God intends the church to be, he's going to take care of the, he's going to take care of the rest. And and we've learned some really foundational things in Matthew 16. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to kind of do a to bring us all back uh, up together, same page. Matthew 16, what, is, what does Jesus say? I will build my church. Church. And he's the architect. He's the builder. In 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, we learned that the church is truth. Right? We're rooted in truth. This, this is the scriptures. This is what we have. This is what we have. This, this, is, this is what we must never compromise. Amen? This is it. We are, the, we are not only uh, rooted uh, the truth, but we, by our lives and how we carry ourselves as a church and then individually when we leave here, when it says foundation of truth, what that means ultimately is how we live our life should be a reflection of that. It's not just a Sunday, just an organizational thing. We are to be pillars and foundations of truth, not just here, doctrinally, but how we live. That's what it means, right? We saw in 1 Corinthians 12 that the church is made up of who? The people, right? The redeemed, believers on Jesus, right? And, and you know, if you've been with me for you, a few years, you remember that, that nursery rhyme, steeple, open the doors, right? Remember, I, I kind of have corrected that theologically, right? So if you, bear with me if you're new, but you might well, put your fingers like this, right? Interlock them and you, you point them down and you kind of do this, right? So a little more correct, you would say, here's a building, Here's a building, with or without a steeple. You can have, you want to, how many steeplers here? How many just kind of like, nah, I don't need a steeple, right? So here's a building, with or open the doors. The church is the, look for yourself, say hi, say hi, there you go, right? Building, with or without a steeple, open the doors, the church is the, the people. So right away, right, and we camped there for a few weeks because, you know, at about 1130, Church is over, or is it? Or did you just kind of church just go like that? See, Sundays, the, the, the word church, ecclesia, assembly. And so in these towns, in, 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 in these biblical times, whenever the town uh, leadership needed to, they would ring the bell, or someone would holler, right? And so the town, the citizens, would gather. It was just a gathering. The, the, the word church really comes from that. It, it wasn't, you know, churchy like religiosity. It was just a gathering care of town business. Ecclesia. So we as the redeemed gather at a place called church. Not necessarily we're going to church. How many of you said, come on, wake up. It's time to go to church. And you said, yes, we get to go. Right? So it, we go to church, but biblically, because we are the church, when we say ready, break, church goes to Ojai Cafe Emporium, Taco Bell, 
wherever you go, by default, you are the church. And it's a privilege, isn't it? That's a privilege, right? So we saw that. We saw the church isn't just an organ, the body, the body. And we believe that healthy organisms grow, not just numerically, but spiritually, right? There are organizational aspects of the church, right? We're a 501c3. There's, you know, the legal aspects, functional things. But biblically, we are an organism, a body, right? That being said, builder, right? It's not Bob the builder. It's God the builder, right? God the builder, right? Has, ooh, careful. So we saw that the Bible says that God, in his wisdom, as God the builder, says, hey, church, who's the church? Put your hand up. Say, hey, church, church, gifts, so that you, church, can be a part of building my church. We all participate. We all participate. And that kind of was scary in the summer, because the way we do church, very passive, very like, you're in the rows, and everything that happens behind the mics we're the church, and you cock out you, and we sing at you, and you take notes, or, you know. No, we're, we're the church. Everyone here, hey, you are. You may not be up here. We're just using our gifts, right? But there's things happening. People get here to make everything on the other side of the wall happen. From coffee to donuts to the facilities, we have beautiful blow the leaves midweek. They're here doing the leaves. Because God put it on, they're available, and they have resources, and that's what they can do to contribute. So it's, it's, it's a we, right? God has gifted all of us, right? And then ultimately, uh, in Romans 15, 5 and 6, we said we saw God who gives endurance and encouragement, give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. With one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans says, hey, church, in your unity, it's not about you. That, that all churches really deal with. That, that success can be a trap. You want to define success as people coming and facilities and giving. If you want to define it that way. If you're not careful as a church, because we start to celebrate all that God is doing. Nothing wrong with that. Until... All that comes all about us. All about us. And, and, you know, we may not say it out loud, but then we start comparing. And it's so funny, even pastors, the classic question when you get a bunch of pastors. So, uh, how big is your congregation? Right? Kid you mark it. It's great, because whenever they ask me, I say, <laughs> Martin, correct, right? Technically, we're under a thousand. You can read that as you want, but <laughs> I just joke out and say that. I say under two, but um, <laughs> right? Because you can you can start to if you're not careful. This is beautiful, and you know we got a beautiful smile and da 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 da. Not discounting what God is doing here. Absolutely celebrating it. But here's the thing: the minute and you're about us, then glorifying God, we got a big problem because then we become an idol, and then it's about feet, and then it's about Right? And then we want people, there's nothing wrong with people, invi- keep inviting people here. But make sure when you're inviting people here who aren't believers, you're inviting them here to meet Jesus. Not to be, because the church being made up of us is made up of people. 
imperfect people. You've heard me say it before. If you find the perfect church, because you'll mess it up. Right? And invite people here with the best of intentions, but you kind of try to feel like you have to package it. Oh, come, and, you know, you're going to like what's so beautiful, and, you know, da 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 And it's really a man-centered thing. You could inadvertently us up for disappointment. If you want to invite people here, invite them because you know they're going to hear the truth. People genuinely here love, will love them, will, will, will extend an open hand to them, will be gracious and compassionate and kind, and, and hopefully they'll come here to meet Jesus. We'll enjoy this. We celebrate this. God supernaturally provided. Kind of be good stewards of this. But, but we've got to be about glorifying God here. We, that, that's got to be our central purpose. That's got to be our central purpose, okay? Today, I want to, I want to kind of continue and come back. And I want to do it kind of springboarding into to the importance of the church gift from God. Last Sunday... As part of the message, I, I was talking maximizing our time together. Just enjoying being together once a week. and It's kind of like a mini reunion. Right? Say hi, hug each other, maybe pray for each other. And I said, well, let's, let's, let's just... Because we never know what's going to happen. Right? I, I, I said that last Sunday. You know that, that some events happened in our dear sister Tony Green's life at tony green if you hadn't heard i want to be very sensitive tony green uh, went to be with jesus this week it uh, it happened quickly and we're working with the family in your bulletins uh as of yesterday there's going to be a memory 13th at one o'clock and we're working through uh, through that with the family and it was it was a shock and very quickly there was a uh, a combination just sort of this snowball effect of, of physical Things that rather quickly, and um, uh, she went home to be with Jesus. And I was with her, talking with her and her daughter and Wendy uh, up here uh, Monday, about 12:30, before she got transported to to see that following morning. You know, get the call that things had turned, and and by that evening, uh, we were privileged, her and I, to to meet with the family and and some friends uh, in her in her uh, hospital room. To see Jesus, um, and in all the years, you know, twenty-five plus of ministry, I have been challenged uh, and privileged to um, when people have have gone to meet Jesus, and you know, the, there was a word that was shared this week. It's it's bittersweet. I think that's a great kind of describe the emotions we feel, right? We miss Tony, love Tony, infectious laugh, Tony, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. God made us relational. We, we grieve. We, we're going to miss her. We miss, you know, incredible ministry there in the kitchen. And yet uh, someone came in. We were having a meeting, came in, working through a dear friend of Tony and said, man, but she's in heaven and, and brought the eternal. Right, the biblical perspective of, of Tony being with the Lord and, and not not being battling ill was just a, a wonderful wonderful meeting we had. Sort of, a, I think a God ordained meeting. Someone just showed a of the eternal perspective 
of where Tony is. It's the truth, right? And so we, we walk through this together. We walk through this together and, and we're sensitive because it's rooted in love, isn't it? It's rooted in love. And, and Tony loved you, this church. And some of you uh, knew her personally and spent a lot of social time with her. And some of you may of Sundays, which is great because we all have varying levels of relationship. But I just want to give you permission as, as individually and just as a grief. That's human. It's love. It's how God wired us. So, so it's, it, there's an okayness to that. It's fine. But as believers, remember where the Bible says that Tony is experiencing. Right? Right? And, and somehow, I, I don't know how it all works up there, but I got to believe she's like, this. They got to see this. Right? I mean, that's Tony. She, she said such a heart. She's like, oh, come on. I got people. They could, <laughs> right? Because there's this genuine, right? Bill did a whole series in the summer on heaven. And it's like, yes. In life, things happen. And we get so consumed by the circumstances and the trials that we forget the eternal perspective. And, and Tony right now is like, I, I can't wait to show them around. <laughs> you know? We can rest that she's good. Okay? And we're going to process this and we're going to work through this together. And, and in the context of our gathering, because many of us, again... She served here, and many of you knew her in the context of church. And, and 10, let's, let's look at that. Mark 10. Verse 17 through 27. There's a familiar passage about what's called the rich. I'll just go ahead and read it. Mark 10, 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the command not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he did all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. Possible. With God, So it's a familiar, familiar story, right? Rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks him this question about eternal life. Jesus answered. And the rich young ruler walks away. Walks away. The context of that interaction with Jesus is actually, if you attend, because we're going to stay there, go back to Mark 8. The context is really, look at Mark 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would, he must deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son and his father's glory with the holy angels. Right. So verse 34, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, 
and take up his cross. And Jesus has said this in Mark 8, 34, two chapters later, he has this interaction, which is really an opportunity to bring up. He said that in Mark 8. Here's your chance. What are you going to choose? Right? What are you going to choose? Rich young ruler walked away. And oftentimes, that's kind of where we end. You know, that, that's really a focal point in Mark 10. Something interesting happens with Peter and the disciples who were privy, who were listening in on this. Mark 10, let's keep reading. Go back to verse uh, 28. Right? 28. Peter said to him, okay, this is after the rich young ruler had left. Peter says to Jesus, we have left everything you in matthew 19 it says we have left everything to follow you and then matthew says peter says what then will there be for us okay so so in matthew we get a little more detail of what peter said he says we have left everything to follow you what then will there be for us i tell you the truth jesus replied no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times in this present age, homesters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them, persecutions, and in life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Right? So, so we'll see this interaction with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, he chooses, uh, and he walks away. Peter, being Peter, says, hey, Jesus. We have left all to follow you. Matthew says, right, and a lot of people have, have, have if you study that, they get, they've gotten upset at Peter. Oh, man, look at that guy. Always thinking, not really. Not really, because really, to, to Peter's credit, he was raised in the Jewish tradition. And in the Jewish tradition, obedience and rewards were linked. So in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, it says, If you your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All the accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. So we've got to kind of cut Peter some slack. He's really kind of just speaking from a Jewish. Okay, we've left all to follow you. I've been raised that blessings are supposed to come. That's all, that's all he's asked. Question, you know, just how he was raised. And it's interesting that Jesus... Jesus doesn't rebuke him for the Jesus just answers the question, right? And look what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. That's an truth. So when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's a biggie. It, it's an emphasis statement. Who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children, right? He's talking those closest, immediate relationships, the dearest relationships we have. And then he says, look. Or it's huge, too, because in the Jewish culture, fields were tied to inheritance, to your family's inheritance and your future. So he says, those who have left the closest relationships in their life and those who have left material possession, your fields, your land. Okay, he's getting to the core. Those heart level to follow me. Look what he says. They will not receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Now, hundred times, that is not meant to be literal. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. In fact, a hundred times return would be 10,000, really. But it's meant to be overwhelming. Count. That's what he's saying, right? He says, it's going to be overwhelming how much you're going to get. When you leave 
all of it for my sake, for my sake, it's going to be overwhelming what you get in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, and fields. What's he talking about? Is he talking about storms coming my way, right? Is he talking about real estate? I mean, no. You know what he's talking about? He says, you know, literal hundred brothers, hundred sisters. Anyone want a hundred mothers, right? <laughs> now, what are you talking about? It's like, what's he t- what? If he's not talking literal hundreds, right? And it really means overwhelming, and it means beyond what you countless, right? You know what he's talking about there? The church. He says, when you leave, when you hear, and by faith you step out from those closest relationships, Mark 8, leave all and follow me, and you step out from those material things, and you choose to leave it, I place you into the church where you find deep relationships, people who love you and care about you, where you find people who will open their pocketbooks and help you meet those secure materials. talking about, right? Turn to Acts 2, early church, right? Let's look at what happened. We'll be going back to Mark 10, so you can keep your finger there. Acts 2, in verse 41, we know the, the supernatural message was was preached or added to the church in one day, right? Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were to everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people added to their number daily, those who were being saved. That when you leave all to follow me, you are placed into this beautiful gift called the church. Church. You remember in Mark 3, it says uh, Jesus was talking to some people and says, then Jesus' mother and brother standing out in to call him. So Jesus is talking. His mom and brothers show up. A crowd was sitting around him and mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus says this, who are my mother and my brothers? Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and mother. You see, in Mark Chapter 10, we've left all to follow you. What do we get? And here's the profound answer. You get get the church. The church is a gift. You get the church. Now, some of you are like, did he just say church? I saw his lips say church, but... Did he really say that the church is, because you can't even say it. The church is a gift, right? Because of imperfect people, and I'm guessing we all have stories about how the church let us down. And we were hurt, and we were wounded. And, and so to hear this passage, hey, Jesus, I left all to follow you. What do I get? Church for following Jesus. How many of you 
Some of you like slunk, slunk. Oh, really? How many of you ever? How many of you ever got a gift that you were really looking forward to on Christmas and you were excited? How many that you were just a wee bit disappointed in? Thanks. I loved it. Thanks. And I got to be honest with you, as I was wrestling with this passage, that's all to follow me. Woo! Here's the church. But the church is annoying. Church is Church bugs me. It's inconvenient. Services go long. Used to around here, but we've changed that. Right, Bill? Right, you know? Amen. <laughs> right? So, so you got to wrestle with this. He says, hey, no one who has left me, no one who has left the dearest relation, left your source of security, will fail to receive the overwhelming blessing. Of- so turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a blessing to you. Go ahead. Say, you get me. You get me. Find someone else. Just look and put a bit. You're welcome. You got to wrap off, right? It's tough because we we celebrate. The church is the redeemed. The church is everyone that loves Jesus. Up of human beings, right? And we called it around here the rock tumbler. How many of you date yourself? Rock tumbler, right? Right? Through all those those jagged rocks, put them in the tumbler, and they all come out, and you're like, ooh, pity. This is a rock tumbler. In God's sovereignty, in his wisdom, he's the builder of the church. So he puts all these redeemed people in process into the rock tumbler called the church. And when, how many of you are sitting next to someone with some jagged edges? Happened this morning on... Why do you drive so slow? I ask for directions. Right? We're in this rock thing called the rock tumbler. And it's just, in, in these verses, it's helped me to see it as a good thing. It's a good thing. Because that's the way he intended it. It's his church. He's building it. He says, you leave me, you can find deep relationships. People who genuinely care about you. Who genuinely pray about you. Who will give you a right to church. Who will help you financially. Who will... Right? And you find material needs met. That's what he's talking about, of the church. And yet, man, that, if we're going to make that real, if we're going to celebrate church, we've got to be real. We've got to be honest. And, and God knows. He knows we're imperfect. He knows the church. church has got its stuff. Right? We know. How many of you have ever been irritated at the church? Okay, how many of you are lying right now in church? We get irritated, we irritate. We get our toes stepped on, toes. We miscommunicate, we misunderstand, we miscommunicate. It's stones and it's easy to until you realize, oh wait. Right? And it's humbling. And, it's, and, then, and then if we can just get to that place, we're not excusing sin. We're not excusing. We don't turn a blind issues biblically. But there's grace. There's grace because we're all in process. We're all in process. And I, and I got to believe that God knew 
the challenges that were going to come by putting us in this rock tumbler? Because if it was just left to us with no scriptural guidance, with no Holy Spirit, I don't, what, we'd be watching, Mark, we'd be home watching football right now, right? We'd go home because, because, <laughs> right? And, and, and so into this reality, all right, this is deemed in process, doing our best to follow Jesus, needing him to love one another and, and, and conduct. We're just going to breeze through them. Mark 9, 50, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Be at peace with each other. Mark 9.15, be at peace. Right? Look at Romans 15. Accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you. Right? Be at peace. Accept one another. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. 432, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave you. What's the level of forgiveness in the church? Christ's for you, right? 515, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. 59, don't grumble against each other. Don't grumble against, don't grumble against each other. 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not together. See, into this mix, rock tumbler mix of imperfect people in sanctification. Don't bail. Don't bail. Don't start watching TV. Don't just figure that, oh, I'm just uh, going to stay home and turn it on. He says, into the mix of this imperfect don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, right? Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compatibility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. For as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love in perfect Unity. First John 3.11. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should one another. See? He says, if you're going to follow me. Emphatically, I tell you the truth. If you leave all and you come follow me, I give you the church. A church that's just called to love one another. Not perfectly. Supernaturally. See, that kind of love, it says, is agape love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Agape love is self-sacrificial love. We've talked self-sacrificial. Agape love is, I will give of myself, my time, my resources for your benefit with nothing expected. Agape love. That is self-sacrificial love. Everything I do is for your benefit. It's a one-way street. I expect nothing back from you. It's agape love, self-sacrificial love. That's for God so loved the world. That's what he's talking about. That's what we're called to do for one another. Officially... Not expecting anything back. That's got to be a work of God. Amen? Amen. That, that's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. In First Peter, we looked at these verses before. He says, hey, now that you have what's called friendship love, right? Now that, you've, now that you like each other, phileo love is what I call potluck love. How many of you enjoy each other's company here? You like hanging out? Potluck love, right? In First Peter, he says, hey, now that you have phileo love, now that you like hanging out, church, go to the next level. 
Now agape one another. A lot of churches get stuck. We get stuck on phileo love. I like you. Let's go hang out. Let's have a pot. All about hanging out. Brotherly love. The challenge with brotherly love is it can turn self-centered and selfish. Like you. You make me happy. You make me laugh. I like your cupcakes. Right? And it's all I, I, I. <laughs> right? And that's why he says, hey, don't stop at phileo love. That's the human part of it. We, can, we look for churches where we feel comfortable. It's all about kind of the flat net. But he says, I want you to go to the supernatural level. Take your phileo love, agape level. Do that, everything else follows. Because you're laying your, your lives down for each other. If you're going to leave all and you're going to lay your life down for me and for the gospel's sake, awesome! Because I'm putting you into a group of people called the church who are one another. When you and I have made, depending on your circumstances and mine, some of you and myself, when you came to know Jesus' decisions, didn't you? There's some things you had to leave. There's some priorities that changed that you might have had to let go of. There's some old habits you had to die to. In some countries, it cost their families, their jobs, their homes. It's a literal denying of your life. You and I have had to choose to follow Jesus knowing there was going to be a cost. Not everyone was going to be thrilled. And yet, how many of you, in making that choice to follow Jesus, and you were like, okay, I really believe this is a conviction of my heart. Lord, I don't know how this is going to play out. How many of you kept walking with Jesus, and suddenly you have such profound friendships, deeper friendships than you ever thought possible? How many provide for your financial material needs in ways that you're like, right? Mark 10. When you leave all to follow me, I am gifting you with, with the church. And that's why I, I wanted to kind of camp here for us as we move into Christmas. and It's love. The theme of today was love. God's love through Jesus. And then he says, love one another. And I think about our dear sister, Tony. And, and I that there was love. We loved her. She loved us. Now, there's grief and there's sadness taught me in 25 years as I've had to process several uh, deaths of some people that I loved so dearly. As I process that, I look up and I see all of you. Think about Tony and Larry and all the others that I love dearly. Leave that. But, I'm, but then the Lord's like, but you're still here. And there's a room full of and still need encouragement and still need kindness and still need compassion and still might have financial or material. So as you process this, Richie, keep moving forward because I'm still building my church. And we still need in the game in the spirit. And so, we're going to do this together. Amen? We acknowledge we're not perfect. We acknowledge our absolute dependence on the Spirit if we're going to be the church He calls us to be. And we're going to do our best to love one another as Christ loved us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you.
thank you as we process uh, what happened with our dear sister Tony, we, where she is today. And we ask you to help us do that grief on this side and, and, and experience the pain of missing her as well. And, and yet it's rooted in love, Lord. It's rooted in love. So as we prepare for communion, uh, we just yield our fresh, ourselves afresh and anew. And renew our dependence and, and say, Jesus, we need you through your spirit to enable to supernaturally love others in the way that you have loved us, Lord. Amen. As we uh, get ready to take the Lord's Supper, uh, opportunity to celebrate everything that Richie has been talking about this morning. Um, I want to read just uh, verses from Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cluster of witnesses, and that those witnesses were those who were looking forward to the church, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the rest, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. For the for him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand. Of Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow and lose heart. The verse in here that I want to focus in on is, for the joy set before um, in a devotion I was reading earlier this morning, I'm sorry, earlier this week, it was talking about the whole gift of the Holy Spirit that God gave us. Jesus went through in coming through the Advent that this month and coming to the earth in the first place as a man, coming from the heavens to this as a man with a purpose in mind and living a life that ended in, in torture, in but he did all that <clears throat> because from the moment he, before he ever came to the earth, in all of the day on the earth, and in those moments on the cross, he had a joy that was set before him, that purpose that drove him to the end of his life for that joy. And do you know what that joy is? It's you. And it's me. That is the joy that Jesus had. When he and died on that cross, the joy was you and I, because he knew before time had begun, you were called to come and be his, that you would be part of his church. And that joy drove you to accept death, an unjust death on the cross. And that is what we celebrate. That is what we remember together when we take the Lord's Supper. So in taking the Lord's Supper today... Um, I, I want to ask you three things. Um, if you are, if you're here with us this morning and have never made a commitment and given your heart to Jesus, this is a good option. The gift of love that we uh, talked about, that the Norris has talked about in Jesus coming to the gift of love that Richie talked about in in Jesus dying and bringing about the, the giving of His Holy Spirit. That is a gift that you can have. So if you don't know Jesus and he is just tugging in and be part of this church, um, not this church literally, but his church, um, before you come up and taking the Lord's Supper, pray to the Lord. Ask Jesus to save you. Ask Jesus to come into your heart today.
practice um, as your Savior, and you're here just celebrating this Lord's Supper on this Sunday, um, I want um, we're not in any hurry to take the Lord's Supper together. So before you come up to get the elements, I really ask you to just eat and close your eyes and thank the Lord for the joy that he had, that the Father had given Jesus. That joy is you. And thank the Lord for the joy through his Spirit that he gives you to this life, to make it to the end, just like Tony did this week, to eventually meet him in the heavens. So thank for that joy. So take your time. Talk, thank Jesus for that joy before you come up and get the elements. And when, take them when you're ready. But when you take the elements, I want you to tell the Lord, I remember. Just say those two because that's why we do this, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus did for that joy set before him. When you're ready, come on up and get the elements. Take them when you're ready and tell the Lord that you remember.